Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Been doing financial media and working in the financial industry now for 20 plus years. I'll sit down and actually come up maybe 23 with the numbers. I don't know. Is it all that important? I've seen some cycles up, and I've seen just a few cycles down. I bring you experience of a person who grew up with video games. So I'll bring that to the show. I know you're saying video games. Yeah. There's a lot to learn from video games as far as investments go. They're not bad. They're capturing our eyeballs. They're capturing our dollars, our entertainment dollars. We only have so many entertainment dollars. Which would I rather do? Get a video game, play it for 60 hours, or go to a movie, be done with it in two and a half? They're about the same when you factor in concessions, right? People my age look at video games as entertainment. They don't look at them as like, oh, you're you're a junkie, a kid who just sits around and gets fat on the couch all day. Well, some of them do. But it's even expanded in entertainment to like things like Twitch, and Microsoft has a service now where you can watch other people play video games. And what's fascinating about this is there's a company called Take-Two that uh, at the beginning of the year, they released Red Dead Redemption 2. It's cowboy. You get to play a cowboy. And how fun is that? You get to like shoot bad guys, and bad guys get to shoot you. Good guy shoots bad guy, bad guy dies. But that video game has gotten so real that you have a horse. You name your horse, and he becomes your friend, that kind of thing. Yeah, we've seen that before. My Little Pony kind of tricks. But the horse in cold weather, his genitalia shrinks. Like, wow. <laughs> they made this game that kind of real. So people get immersed in it. And when you go to your job every day and you hate your boss and you want to tell your boss, take this job and shove it, you can't. So you come home and you, you're a cowboy. And maybe you put your boss's head on the bad guy and really go at him, if you know what I'm saying. So, take two, when it got positive reviews, the stock moved up over 20%. When you're talking about a company that could pull in, you know, a billion dollars, a billion dollars is a billion dollars, right? So, flash forward to Nintendo Switch, got great reviews in last year's. Nintendo stock has done great. If the games get good reviews, people will play them. If they don't play them, maybe they'll watch people on Twitch or on Microsoft's gaming service. Maybe. you know, Mixer, I think it's called. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm not totally hip on everything. But there was another company that just came out with a game not too long called Activision Blizzard came out. They bought a studio called Blizzard years ago. They just used to be called Activision, but now they're Activision Blizzard. Um, Blizzard's known for Diablo, World of Warcraft, and Activision is known for Call of Duty. Now, there's a new Call of Duty video trailer. It's on YouTube. 
It was released at one of the video game conferences or Comic-Con or something. I don't know. But when it was released, I, I noticed it because it got millions of eyeballs. So I was like, okay, let's go watch this. And it's nostalgically fun. They brought the team back that made the game 10 years ago. And it looks, it looks better than ever. They've kind of gotten away from the roots. So they're trying to get back to the roots. So far, the interest in playing Call of, the new Call of Duty game that's coming out in November is higher than playing Fortnite, which has 200 million people playing. And that's a, you know, we get excited when we hear 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. When you have 200 million plus people playing a game, you can dominate some revenue generation ideas. So Activision might be a stock idea to consider. Consult a worker advisor for taking action on any stocks that you mentioned. But it's getting good reviews because it also just released World of Warcraft, 15-year anniversary edition. Now, World of Warcraft kind of, I'm not going to say it predated the success of Epic's Fortnite Battle Royale. But it was very social. And I remember 15 years ago, I wasn't, I'm not consumed by video games. I like watching the, the march of them because I grew up in that era where there was literally Pong. I was around for the worst of the worst. I was around with teletype games and games like Zork, which they didn't even have money to make graphics. They just made a text adventure. Do you want to open the door, draw your sword, or light a torch? And you had to hit one, two, or three kind of thing. So the new game, not the new game, the old game, World of Warcraft, they've already made it. They probably put a little spit on the graphics to, to make it shine. But they re-released it, and at 15 bucks a month, if they can get a million people to subscribe for 15 bucks a month, it's going to be a revenue generator out of nowhere for Activision. And guess what I'm calling? I'm calling that a stock that's going to rally into the holiday season. Now, it may not rally 100% like we got in the late 90s when companies like Yahoo would go from 16 to 250, back down to 16 over time. But it could still have a nice 20% rally, and that ain't a bad trade. Now, I don't base everything in my life on trades. I find trades few and far between. I find trades to be, oh, that's nice. But I have a core portfolio that I continue to add to every two weeks in my 401k. Every cup, every week with my Acorns account, I'm throwing money in, so it rebalances into more stocks. So on one hand, I got some trading, kind of sexy money. But I know it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. Sometimes trades go bad. And that's why you have to be honest with yourself. If I just said it's a three-month play potentially into the holiday season, I'm not saying it's a six-month play. I'm not saying it's a three-day trade. What did I say? Three-month trade into the, the holiday season. So check in at that point in time and say, do I still want it? Do I want to cut some down? Was Rob right? Was Rob wrong? Again, don't do what I say on radio. Let me do it. I don't mind getting richer than you. <laughs> you plebeian. Um, but yeah, you have to have developed dialogue and stories on things like this. I look at the inverted yield curve. I'm like, okay, blah, 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 blah. I, it, it's a little bit too, too short, bullet shot focused for me. There's going to be bad economies. There's going to be recessions. I have to move on. Will I tinker with my portfolio because of a pending recession? Maybe a little bit, maybe. Probably I'm going to tinker with my portfolio after I have a great year. I like to rebalance after greatness, not necessarily try to figure things out after horrible. 
let's say I did get into a horrible situation. I didn't see a recession coming and the markets go down 80%. I'd still re- figure it out even though I don't want to after the fact. But I'd rather be proactive than reactive. I got this all in my head. Now, I'm not just a video game guy. I like the demographics of the aging of the baby boomer. Lot of retirees equals lots of pharmaceuticals, right? Um, my mom's been on 10 plus, 12 plus pills a day for the rest of her life. As an 80 plus year old woman, I expect her to take more pills and not less pills. So I, I, I look at the pharmaceuticals for dividends. I look at video games for growth. I look at social media as stealing eyeballs away from traditional media. These are all themes. Don't get too caught up in them. Sometimes you just want a company that earns money. And there's no shame in that. I look at the interest rates as this hasn't been a good environment for banks, and it pisses me off because I love banks. But the longer we keep rates low, the longer we keep financially engineering our economy through interest rates and debt buybacks, the tougher it is for it to be a level playing field for the banks to succeed. They're doing okay. But there's better opportunities per se. Consultant Worker Advisor for State Action and Stocks Mitch on the show. Now, don't forget, there's a big event coming up Saturday, September 21. Two events. One's going to be in the morning from uh, 9.30 to 11, and one's going to be in the afternoon, 1 to 3. You can learn more about the events at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in full or free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Do you know who Woody Page is? I hate Woody Page. Woody Page is a guy who works for ESPN, and he's one of those white guys, Caucasian guys, who's a little bit, how shall we say, always red in the face. Really? And he's a little puffy, and he's got bad hair. That's an aside. That's me being obsessed with with everything wrong in the world. He does, he kind of jumps onto ESPN sports talk shows, which as a nation, we lead the world in talk shows about sports. They don't have that in England. They barely talk about a sporting event before it comes on. We talk about it nonstop when it's on, before it's on, the next day, the next day after that, six months before. We make events out of everything sporting, and we we hire people to talk about it. So Woody Page talks about sports for ESPN, and I hate him. One of the reasons why is he works kind of in his office, so he has a really good, like, uh, I don't know, FaceTime account or Skype account. And he's kind of like dialing it in. Hate that. Just go to the studio. On occasion, show up at the studio. Put on a tie. On occasion. You don't have to do it every day. <laughs> Isn't that the kettle calling the pot black? Pot, you're black. It's black. Uh, an ebony you're black. pot and ivory go together, together. Um, I watched the Saturday Night Live skit recently of ebony and ivory. And... Joe Piscopo, it wasn't as funny as I remembered. Isn't it funny how memories happen that way? So anyway, why am I bringing this up? couple things in sports. A Twins pitcher named Randy Dobnak was just called up to the majors. He's been driving for Uber and left for two years. I love that story. 
When I started a business, I started a company, I started an LLC, I did the paperwork, I still held odd jobs late at night to make ends meet. Because that first year you start a business, it doesn't necessarily pull together. But I wanted that extra cash flow to A, buy me more time to pull it together, and to B, uh, just have some cash to burn through, because I wasn't getting venture capital funding. So I kind of like that he has a little Uber and Lyft on the sides. I think that's cool. So back to Woody Page. But this is a sporting segment in ESPN. First and foremost, I hate Woody Page, but I've already had that. Um, sports gambling this year, it's a lot like marijuana and cannabis. More and more states in the last few years and countries, in some cases like Canada, have legalized marijuana, whether it be medical purposes or leisure purposes, right? More and more states are legalizing sports betting. Bad if you're a bookie. Great if you're a, a guy who used to use a bookie and was afraid of the whole process. I'm not a sports gambler. Um, you know, maybe if I were to be in Vegas or Reno or somewhere on a Saturday, I'd pick three. Like, if you can pick three winners, your bet goes from a dollar to five dollars. That's fine. I get it. Just don't use serious money in gambling. But about seven million consumers say they'll bet, bet legally on NFL games this season at a casino sports book. Seven million people. Now, depending on how much you win, you could face a 24% tax withholding. I know you're saying, no, nah, I want to go back to the bookie. <laughs> I don't want to pay taxes on my winnings because I'm smarter than everyone else. I'm going to win. So why should I win 24% less than using a bookie? I get it. You're starting to use some options. One's being regulated. One's not being regulated. One pays taxes. One doesn't pay taxes. One's legal. One's illegal, right? So I'm not telling you don't gamble on sports. I'm just saying you may have to pay taxes on sports. Since the Supreme Court overturned a federal law in May 2018 that had banned sports betting in most places, the number of states that have legalized it has risen to 13. Five more states and the District of Columbia are poised to start making legal markets out of gambling on sports. Seven million people say they'll bet legally on NFL games. Now, again, what I would do with that money is not your retirement money. I've got a family friend that... He has a family member that has a really, really bad gambling problem. They opened up a casino, a nice one, uh, about 10 miles from his home. Guess what he's done in the last five years? He sold his house. He sold a house in Washington, D.C. To, to fund his losses. Now, during the time, he's, he's been a big player. He's gotten good rewards. He's gotten good perks. He gave his family member like a Sony PlayStation 4 because the casino was giving him all these luxury points that he can go out and buy items with. But he sold a house. He's dipped into his retirement savings. It's kind of sad what sports betting can do to people. I'm not, I'm not here to be a moral compass. There's somebody better in the world in that for you. But uh, generally speaking, if you do win in gambling more than $5,000 and the amount is 300 times the original bet, the payer is required to pay 24% taxes on the spot. It gets complicated. I don't want to get into it. But again, it's a trend. And I bring it up because marijuana has been a bit of a trend. Now, marijuana, I would say, was a better 2017 and 18 play than it has been a 2018 and 19 play. As what we've learned is, yes, more states are legalizing it. Yes, more countries are legalizing it. Yes, more companies are being listed on the NYSE or the NASDAQ who now can do business legally, selling something that used to be you know, illegal to even touch. But to have cash that was tied towards that transaction, no way. 
U.S. government can come seize your bank accounts. People don't want to do that. But as it's become a little bit more legalized, a little bit more legit, you're starting to see a little bit more transactions. Some of the stocks were very, very speculative. Now they've turned into disasters for people. Um, it's not that hard to grow marijuana. I've got some uh, crabgrass in my yard right now. Weeds grow like weeds. And marijuana is a weed. Poppy so, needs that sticky icky for his glaucoma. Yeah. Right-o. Right-o. Um, right-o. Sticky icky for my glaucoma. That's what it's all about, officer. So I just bring up, like, story stocks and how we, like, oh, more states are legalized. And, oh, more, like, be careful with that. Just you kind of talk yourself into it. Get this beyond meat shares. Not getting a lot of love anymore from Wall Street. Average price target's about $156 below where it's trading today. Beyond Meat doesn't have beef in their beef. They've got beans and peas in their beef. Stock's up 540% from its IPO. Wow. So a lot of the people who cover it and look at the valuation say it's too expensive. But the story is fantastic. Growing like a weed, growing like sports betting. Big event coming up where I'm going to be talking about events like this and more. Two events, in fact, one for wealth creation, one for wealth preservation. Going to be in San Jose at the Rotary Summit, September 21. It's a Saturday. Go to newfocusfinancial.com, sign up, use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's bring in certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's talk a little inverted yield curve. What is it? And give us an update on what we're seeing in the action. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So there's several different types of government bonds that are issued by the U.S. government, um, and an inverted yield curve is when shorter-term bonds end up paying you more in interest than longer-term bonds. So typically, if you buy a bond, right, Rob, you'd want to say, if if I'm going to give you this money, I'm going to loan you this money for. Um, two years, I'll get one rate, but if I lend it to you for 10 years, I want a higher rate because I've got to wait longer to get my principal back. Um, so what happens when a yield curve inverts is when shorter-term bonds are paying more than longer-term bonds. So what happened is the first time, I think it was August 14th, we saw an inversion of the yield curve on the two-year bonds and the 10-year bonds. That's the biggest watched one. Now, other parts of the yield curve had already inverted. But um, so a couple days ago, and then the first time on August 14th, we saw that inversion where two-year bonds were paying more than 10-year bonds. Now, right now, that's not an inversion. It's close, but right now, as we do this, the two-year bond's paying 1.524%, and the 10-year bond is paying 1.562%, so just about the same rate, but it's not uh, currently inverted. And the, the 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 bigger one is though that when we look at it is how much of the yield curve is inverted when you look at three months six months you know all the way up the line all the way up to thirty year bonds right now sixty percent of the uh, yield curve is inverted back on August fourteenth let's say sixty percent of the yield curve was inverted and that's only happened five times in the last forty one years. 
And I just want to say right from the beginning that 50% of the time, Rob, the yes. stock market was positive three years later. Okay. So I've always looked at the bond market as the smarter of the two markets. Smart money goes with right. bonds. And the stock market's a little bit more volatile. I think they both reflect intelligently over time our economy, and our economy is good over time, typically. Um, so that's why people pay attention to the bond market, because it's considered short-term smart. Now, why is a yield curve inversion tied so closely with recession talks? And do you think it is a good predictor or predicator of a recession? Well, so there's a there's kind of a couple of things going on right now. Number one is that there was so much central bank involvement. We had the Federal Reserve, Rob, mm-hmm. taking money and going out on the market over the last many years to buy bonds. Right? They 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 went out and bought bonds, causing the prices to go up and the yields to go down. So there was there was a I mean that that the amount that they did that is it's unprecedented and it, it was happening somewhat around the world okay. some economists believe that it took away some of the power of an inversion predicting a recession um you can't deny the you know most of the time i think there's only been like two inversions in the last seven where it didn't have a recession um so you, you kind of look at it and say okay well there's something there there's something that th- there's been a recession close but the issue is that since 1956, um, recessions have started on average 15 to 22 months after an inversion of the two and 10 year spread of that two year bond versus the 10 year bond. So, 15 to 22 months, I mean, that is such a long period of time in finance, mm-hmm. if you think about it. I mean, people have already forgotten about the correction that we had from September to December of last year. And we have a recession every seven to 10 years anyways, or we're supposed to. So is it a coincidence or is it a predictor? You know, you you can kind of argue it both ways. And sometimes people just really need to separate the fact that here's what's going on in politics. Here's what's going on in the economy. You can still invest in companies that figure out how to navigate it. And even if those companies go through a rough time, it doesn't matter. If we look five to 10 years out, they're typically higher and they pay dividends along the way. So is it really something that you have to react to emotionally? Typically, emotional reactions and investing are bad, a bad thing. So we're talking with CFP Chad Burton about the inverted yield curve that kind of cropped up in August 2019. Will it predict a recession? Will it not? I tend to like recessions, Chad. I know recessions kind of become the R word and are negative. I don't need money short-term for my accounts, so I'm not all that stressed by recessions, and they tend to help rebalance the economy from things that get too excited and things that get too underappreciated. They kind of start meeting back in recessions, so I'm okay with recessions. But let's talk about, is this inversion different, in your opinion? Well, we, we look at you know unprecedented central bank involvement in buying bonds, so that's, that's one issue. Um, Typically, okay, so recessions, expansions happen, and we, when you go through a major, huge, almost global depression from, you know, that 2008-9 correction, you're going to have typically longer expansions when you go through something that bad. Um, so what happens towards the end of an expansion is there's too much loose money, there's too much credit out there, and the economy overheats and inflation kicks up, and then the Federal Reserve wants to slow things down, so they go on a rate hike cycle. 
and we barely had a rate hike cycle. It wasn't anywhere near like we had in um, you know 2004 and uh, I think into five. Typically, you have the, the Federal Reserve gets scared, so they raise rates to slow the economy or fight inflation, and then people get scared about a pending recession. They pile into the 10-year bond, and that's what causes the inversion. People were more piling into the 10-year bond just because the idea that the Federal Reserve wanted to lower interest rates because of Trump's trade war and pressure. So it is a little bit different. It, again, it doesn't matter as much as looking at the stock market and saying, are stocks expensive? Are they cheap? Are they fairly or fully valued? Or are there still places that are already trading like there's a recession? Good stuff. Now, do you believe we are in a recession or heading towards a recession? And if so, how do you think the stock market's going to take that news? Well, I think a lot of media hates Trump, and I think a lot of uh, media and politicians want a Trump recession going into elections. But until the trade issue spreads to the consumer, this is more of a manufacturing recession caused by the trade war. We have a global slowdown, but the U.S. economy is about the best place to be right now. Um, We've lived with this uncertainty of this trade war for almost three years now. And and Brexit, is that a big issue? It's a political issue at this point. Most corporations have have, uh, dealt with Brexit already, and it's just a disaster. Everybody knows it, and companies have already figured out how to, to deal with it. Overall, the trade war, which is really the the issue causing this, U.S. exports are really only down, I think, around 1% for the year because it's been offset to exports to other places besides China. Um, and if we look at it, you invest in the stock market for a minimum of three to five years, minimum. Uh, we saw a 60% inversion of the yield curve in 1978. Three years later, the market was up 23%. Um, that happened again in May of 1989, a yield curve inversion. Three years later, the market was up over 30%. So do you really need to react? Um, typically, when you look at the stock market and the inversions, and we go farther back, uh, Dimensional Funds did a study where they looked at yield curve inversions over the last 40 years, and, and, and even globally. In the U.S., equity returns were positive 66% of the time 12 months later, but only 33% of the time, 36 months later. And when you look at all countries that they did a study in, global diversification, equity returns were positive 86% of the time, 12 months later, and 71% of the time, 36 months later. So it's a time to take a fresh look at your portfolio, make sure you're not too overweight in something that's already done really well and looks expensive, like large growth, be globally diversified, make sure you have whatever you need to spend, always in the next three years and save money, and you're going to be okay. You don't need to worry about this too much. If you work with New Focus, you know where to find them if you want more information. But let's wrap up this interview and say, let's assume for just a moment we will go into a recession. We've got about a minute and a half. How should investors review their allocation? Are stocks too expensive? Are they too cheap? What do we need to know? It's really clear when you break down large-cap growth uh, if, even if you find ETFs where you look at the fundamentals between large-cap growth and large-cap value or small-cap growth and small-cap value, that's the biggest diversion I've seen, where the small-cap growth looks expensive, large-cap growth looks expensive in terms of price-to-sales, price-to-book, P.E. ratios. 
um, yet small cap value and and even some of large cap value spaces look pretty darn cheap over the long run. Emerging markets look cheap over the long run. So it's just really making sure you own all asset classes. You own the market, not just large growth, and you go for global diversification. That's So really nothing different, Rob. Just reallocate. Make sure you're investing for your risk tolerance so you don't panic out if something bad happens. Only because I'm at, I haven't heard Admiral Akbar in a while. Is there a chance that what you just said could be wrong and that by going back to the right allocation for value, that it turns into a value trap. Maybe it's we a should trap. stay. Thank you, Adam Rockbar. Maybe we should stay overweight growth. Any chance it's a value trap? Well, I don't want you to go only value because typically what happens when the Federal Reserve lowers rates like we are going to see, that's really good for growth assets. And there's a lot of great growth in some technology and healthcare and other places like that. So I'm not just saying go only value. I'm saying make sure you have some. And you're not just in the one asset class that's done the best over the last nine years. It's kind of like a baseball team. You kind of want different players' skills at different positions. It's kind of like a nice nutritional diet. You kind of want to throw in some vegetables with some fruit. And I'm with you on that one. So um, thanks very much. Is there anything else we need to know? we got about 30 seconds. Uh, just uh, the event coming up on the 21st in San Jose. Good, good. I'll push people towards New Focus Financial, and you can listen to the commercials during the break. Uh, big event coming up in San Jose. Two events, a little bit different than normal. Sign up is a little more complicated because you have to pick an event. You can use the code RADIO25, and you can get more information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Thanks, Chad. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I try to bring you a little bit of economy, a little bit of stock market, a little bit of insurance, a little bit of investing, a little bit of retirement, a little bit of 401k, um, relationship, kids' costs. I look at everything in the world as a financial decision. New cars versus used cars. I love new cars, but they're not very smart financially, if you know what I'm saying. Everything is a financial decision. Love having one million channels on cable television, but you pay for them. I'm actually okay just with 60 or 40. I feel like we have overkill there, right? So everything's a financial decision. I think when you learn that, that helps. Take a look at your paycheck. See how much money is going to Social Security. See how much money is going to Social Security disability. See how much money you're paying into the system. Having done a long, quick road trip, I was quickly reminded that a lot of our money is going into roads in California. As I was driving up five and a ton of road work, construction going on. Who's paying for that? Me. My taxes, your taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, gasoline taxes, right? I kind of wish the roads were in a little bit better condition with all these quote-unquote taxes, 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 taxes. So we're in a stock market that has had a great run, nine years. It's had a great year. Over 15% is amazing. There were years back in the late 90s when the whole dot-com world was kind of getting established where markets had moved 70 80% in a year. Like, how did that happen? 
back when my dad was a child or when my dad was an investor, stock markets would move 10% from top to bottom in a year. So it got a little crazy in the 90s from top to bottom and bottom to top. And this year, it's, 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 it's a big one. It's a big year. So hopefully your stock, hopefully your 401k, hopefully your savings, hopefully your retirement plan is pretty fat right now. CFP Chad Burton just talked a little bit about rebalancing, heading into different economic cycles. He talked very smartly about the inverted yield curve and what it could mean to your portfolio and to you. And is it truly a prognosticator? Or is data just agnostic? And it, sometimes we read too much into it and ascribe value that we shouldn't. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Larry Cudlow was making the rounds today because it's the first Friday of the month. And the first Friday of the month, we have the Jobs Employment Situation Report. So Larry Kudlow is on the Economic Committee for President Trump. So he was calling CNBC, he was calling Bloomberg. And one of the things he did was he not only talked about the jobs number and the wage inflation, which there's different ways of looking at inflation. I look at it in a very Goldilocks way. You don't want too much, you don't want too little. You want it just right. So Kudlow got on this morning and said, the talks with China earlier this week went very well. There was also some reports out yesterday, and I wasn't on air live. I'm sorry. little family emergency. There was a report out yesterday that basically implied that China's got some websites and blog sites that the government tends to use as their mouthpiece. And there's some rabble, so to speak, on some of these websites and blogs that potentially some... Um, Events will be happening in the trade war. And it was kind of implying positive results. So maybe China's government's kind of, how shall we say, coming into form, like, let's get this behind us at some point in time. You would like to think President Trump could say, let's get this trade war behind us and let's hammer it out. It's probably in the best interest of both kind of countries, probably in the best interest of the world. Now, again, I agree with Donald Trump. I think sometimes... Uh, contracts need to be renegotiated. I think they need to be revisited. You see it all the time in football, baseball, hockey, where a star player like Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, I think he got $90 million for as a running back, and he is carrying the load as a $90 million running back. He, he's earned it, so to speak. And maybe he was underpaid and kind of was time to, you know, kind of find that value rebalanced again. So I get why contracts need to be renegotiated. Again, I'm not a football guy, so please excuse me if that sounded incredibly ignorant. The NFL! Will it save television or not? Live sporting events. You know what's kind of interesting about the, the cable companies like Comcast? There's not a lot of money to be made in the media deals as far as distributing cable per se, cable channels. There's a lot more when people opt for skinny packages and they get pay-per-view to kind of like uh, supplement it. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. But the NFL, big talk, right? Um, the season is kicking off right now. Packers beat the Bears last night. I couldn't believe it. I had to do a double take. They've played each other like 199 times. I was like, is that possible? They've been playing each other for 100 years or something like that. I was like, I kind of thought the NFL was kind of a 1960s, 19, I don't know, but it can't go back 100 years, can it? Whoa. Apparently it can. 
Anyhow, um, one of the problems in our economy right now is that there is a lot of decisions to be made. And when you're at a nine-year bull market, I would say the best IPOs probably come out in year two, three, four, because they've kind of maybe just come out of a negative economic cycle, and now they're rebuilding and hiring, and then they go public. Right now, there's a company called WeWork, which is just nuts. It's got it's got the wrong valuation, as Phil Grandy would say. It's nuts. WeWork is discussing whether or not to proceed with its upcoming IPO, and I think that's a good sign. We're flooding the market with too many decisions on companies that are losing billions of dollars. Now, for Uber and Lyft, the IPOs were not smash hits this year, but for the IPO market overall, it's been pretty good. It's been, pre- but it's also been pretty speculative. We're paying too much of a valuation for Beyond Meat. We love the story, but we're paying too much. Now, WeWork, I don't get it. Too high of a valuation, losing too much money. I'm kind of glad they're shelving their IPO. A lot of pieces moving in the economy and the stock market. Here to help you with that, me, Rob Black, CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find out about an event coming up at newfocusfinancial.com. Hey, September 21, two events, one in the morning hours and one in the afternoon hours. You can sign up and learn by listening to commercials or go to newfocusfinancial.com.